Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4, 23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the types of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. a beautiful testimony. Last Sunday, I was in the commons and got to see everyone dropping off their food and then walked over at about 11.15 and people had dropped off over there and people from society had come and had already been picking up bags and moving them over there. And to see the shelves go from empty to absolutely full last Sunday was just amazing. It was a beautiful sight. And that is made possible through your generosity and your continued support of that amazing ministry. So we're finishing up our neighboring series this week. And we're going to talk about this morning how we are to stir one another up. So we're going to go straight to Scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. So I had to look up stir, so we have a good definition to start with. And the definition of stir, it's a verb, when it's used as a verb, it means to move something in a circular pattern, especially a liquid or a substance, to mix or cool or agitate or dissolve, but it can also mean to change the place of something or to set something in motion. And I think as we're finishing up this neighboring series, that's what we're talking about, is setting something new in motion, setting a new way of seeing and relating to our communities around us. We are here to stir things up. We stir something up when it's become stagnant, or settled. We can also, if we're making a batter, if you think about when you stir something up, you're making something new. You're combining all those ingredients into something new, and you set something in motion. It's combining what is already there to make something new. Recently, a couple weeks ago, I was out because I decided, and I'm going to explain this in a minute, to hike the Grand Canyon from rim to rim. I started on the south uh, rim and hiked uh, 23 miles um, to the north rim in one day, um, which sounds like a crazy idea, and it is. But let me tell you how it gets even crazier. <laughs> I saw this on Facebook. Um, I joined a Facebook page, a Houston Women's Hiking Group, because we like to hike as a family. And I thought, oh, great. This would be a great way to find out about some different trails and some different local things here in Houston and places to go hiking and walking. Well, in January, Someone posted they had gotten eight slots, and it's really hard to get reservations and get slots there. And she had gotten eight slots. The original people she had planned to go with were no longer, couldn't make the date that you got them from, she got them for. So she just posted in this Facebook group and said, 
who wants to go? And I thought, hmm, I need something right now. I was just about to start my final semester in school, was really tired of school, <laughs> um, just dealing with everything with my parents and their illness. Like, I needed something to stir things up. I needed a goal and I needed something to help me get focused and to do something new. So I signed up to not only hike rim to rim, but to hike rim to rim with eight women that I've never met before in my life. Um, so we went and did this two weeks ago. It was amazing. It was wonderful. Um, went with these strangers and decided to do this thing. Well, we flew into Phoenix and we drove up that evening. Um, so when we got to the Grand Canyon, it was nighttime to the South Rim. I've never been to the Grand Canyon before. And then we left to start our hike at 3.30 in the morning. So once again, it's dark. I've seen nothing so far. I mean, I've seen pictures. I know the Grand Canyon's big and it's grand and it's wonderful and all that. So I'll have Kendra put up a picture. It wasn't until, and then when I actually came up out of the, the canyon, it was actually dark at that time as well. But it wasn't until Saturday, <laughs> the following day, that we went and went out to all the little scenic overlooks and looked at everything. And I remember thinking, as I'm looking at that, I'm kind of glad I didn't see this when I got started, because I, I might have changed my mind. <laughs> Sometimes ignorance is bliss, and it is good to approach something in the dark and really have no idea what you're getting yourself into completely. But I had hiked, and I had trained, and I, um, the blessing of the heat this summer was that I wasn't worried about adjusting to the heat in the Grand Canyon, because I had been in Houston all summer long. But I needed something to stir me up. And that's what happens when we get stirred up. We do something new, we get thrown off balance a little bit, and we have to learn and grow and adapt to new circumstances. And this is what we are all called to do. We are called to stir one another up to love and good works, and to meet together and encourage one another. The early church was growing like crazy, and this is how it was growing. It was growing because they were meeting together, they were breaking bread together, they were encouraging one another. They were stirring each other up. And we need that in our lives. We get stagnant in our routines. And what do we do and who do we see becomes the same over and over. Even at church sometimes. We kind of get into our routine. We get into the things that we do, the ministries that we're involved in. I'm going to challenge you today to, to not only continue to maybe do those things, but to look at the different perspective. Just walk a different route through the comments. I guarantee you, you'll see someone new, um, someone that you don't normally bump into. Take a class or do something at church that's different than what you've ever done before, that uh, maybe is an age group that you're not a part of sit someplace different when you're in church. You'll be amazed. <laughs> we need to stir things up. We need to do something different so that we can be stirred to love and to good works. When we're interacting with our neighbors, it is so contrary to the norms of our culture. In our car-oriented, fast-paced, busy, scheduled, too busy lives where we are told to stay in our lane repeatedly, neighboring and getting to know our neighbors is a totally different idea. It stirs things up. It's different. 
It's different than what our culture says we should be doing. So neighboring means doing something new and possibly uncomfortable and wondering what the heck you're doing. When I was going through the Grand Canyon, as we were coming back up, I was with um, two women who had gotten injured that day, so we were, it was pretty slow coming back up. But the last five miles typically take about five hours anyways to get up the last five miles. And I, as it was getting dark, and I was putting my headlamp back on, I thought, what the heck am I doing? And just so you know, like that my mother's voice still plays in my head, all I could hear was, think was, oh my gosh, if my mom knew what I was doing right now, she would kill me. <laughs> but as I'm getting ready to finish this hike and get up these last five miles that are going to be the hardest of the day with two women who are injured and hurting very badly, and as I'm starting to do that, all I could think was, what was I thinking to sign up for this? Like, I seriously questioned, like, every life decision I had made up to that point that led me to that point at that time. But the one thing I learned from it, what I truly learned from that experience, is do hard things. Do hard things. They're amazing. They're transforming. And so when we're talking about neighboring, that's what we're talking about. It can be hard to do. Scripture tells us, but love and good works involves meeting together and encouraging one another. And that doesn't just involve within these walls of this church and with our community within this church. It applies outside of these walls as well. This, inside these walls, should not be the only place that you talk about your faith. And I'm not talking about evangelizing. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about talking about your faith. This should not be the only place that you do that. It needs to happen out in the world and with our neighbors and with the people that we interact with. Look at Jesus. Jesus was all about stirring things up. His whole ministry was about stirring things up. He's an example of what love and good works looks like because Jesus showed us. He showed us what meeting together looks like. He showed us what encouragement looks like. He showed us what love looks like. And Jesus stirred up his disciples and his followers to step out of their comfort zone. And then he stirred up the world around him through his teachings and what he said that was totally contrary to what they wanted to hear. He made them question their understanding of who God is and what it means to love God and love your neighbor. But God, God has been stirring things for a long time. God created the heavens and the earth and he created us in his image to be in relationship with him. And when sin entered the picture, he has been working to redeem us ever since. He has been trying to stir in our hearts and our minds that we were created to be in relationship with him, to love him, and to love our neighbor. Our whole story of redemption is God stirring us up. Throughout scripture, God is working to redeem his chosen people. He delivers them from slavery, and then he gives them these new laws through Moses on Mount Sinai. And we're all real familiar with the 10, but there were 613 laws 
that are in the scripture. He gave them all at that time, and God was trying to transform his people from the inside out so that they can truly love God and love their neighbor, so they can be relationship with him and in relationship with one another. We think about those Ten Commandments, but there were so many other laws, and they get into such minutia and such detail that we tend to kind of breeze through that part of Scripture because we think, oh, that was for that time and that place, and this isn't meant to be to apply to us, there are laws concerning everything from how to build your roof, deal with your neighbor's livestock, how to relate to family, worship, reconciliation, how to treat the widow, orphan, immigrant. There were laws on how to run your business, treat your employees, design your house, dietary restrictions. There were laws about everything. And those laws were never meant to weigh us down and were never meant to burden us. They were to help us understand and help us to think about that if God cares about all these things in our daily lives, he cares about us. He cares about these things and and transforming us so that we can be in relationship with him and with our neighbor. God cares about all aspects of our community, and he cares about all aspects of our lives. And all of these laws that we read in Scripture were to help us think on and to think, hmm, maybe these are the same things I should care about. Those laws were meant to create community and a society of people Their common theme in them is right relationship and fairness and equity and generosity and kindness and compassion. The theme is love of neighbor. Israel was to be a nation that was permeated by Yahweh's holiness. Leviticus 19.1 says, Be holy because I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. Did you hear that? You be holy because I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. To be holy or kadosh is to be set apart and distinct. And it's easy for us to think of God in those terms, obviously, that he is set apart and distinct and holy. But we are commanded to be the same. We are commanded to treat our neighbors differently then the world around us tells us how to treat them. And Yahweh wants to be in relationship, and he created these people around him to be in relationship with him, and all of it is to reflect his holiness. We were created in God's image to reflect that. You were created in God's image to reflect God's holiness. This is what Jesus fulfilled It's what we mean when we say that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus brought to fulfillment this scripture. And he said it himself, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is all of those laws summarized in that command. Jesus fulfilled the law by demonstrating and showing us what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
in how to love your neighbor. He was the perfect fulfillment of all of those laws, the perfect demonstration. It was God's word incarnate walking among us, showing what the law was, God was trying to show us through the law all that time. And Jesus stirred up those laws, didn't he? You can see it in his debates and his interactions with the people that's recorded in scripture. He stirred up the hard-heartedness. There was stagnation. There was, at times, complete disregard. At times, there was interpretation that people used of Scripture to serve their own agenda, and Jesus challenged and stirred up every one of those ideas. They were using the law to serve themselves and not the kingdom. And Jesus is our example of how to stir up one another to love and good works, to be a reflection of his kingdom, to stir up your life by being a catalyst for love and good works that starts in our immediate context with our neighbors. Jesus was constantly serving and helping people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And notice he always moved towards the poor and hurting people, people who couldn't benefit him. They really had nothing to offer in return. But he met with people and he ate with people and he did life and he walked along the roads with people and talked with people and he did life with them. He showed love for the forgotten ones and those who fall through the cracks. So today I want to ask you, who is falling through the cracks around you? Who is your neighbor that's a single parent? Who is lonely? Who just needs a friend? In the most connected society that we have ever been, loneliness pervades. When I finished, I mentioned we were climbing at night. I had a headlamp on. I was tired and I was sore. When I say that every muscle in my body ached, every muscle in my body ached down to my fingertips because I'd been using my poles all day, so even my fingers hurt by the end of the day. (laughs) And like I mentioned, as I'm getting ready to go and head back up that canyon wall to come out, I couldn't help but question, like, why did I decide to do this? You know, this is crazy. But by the next day, I was planning my next hike. And that's where that lesson came out, to do hard things. Because hard things lead to amazing and beautiful results. The other amazing thing about that journey up was when I had to kind of get in a mental space and realize, okay, I'm fixing to hike this canyon wall for about the next five hours in the dark. And it felt very isolating and alone because it's quiet out there, you can't hear anything. And I'm really, like I said, questioning a lot of life decisions at this point. But after we started walking, I realized you could look down the canyon and you could see the lights behind us. There were other people who were still walking. 
There were some crazy people who were just leaving um, and coming down the canyon at that point because they were doing rim to rim to rim runs, which is a whole other category of crazy people. But <laughs> we weren't alone. There was not only that immediate community that I had around me, but there was this other community that I had around us as well. So do hard things. Even when you think you're alone, you're not. It can be hard and awkward to create community on your street. Sometimes people don't respond or they may even respond rudely. And you can start to question your life choices and what you were thinking. But do hard things. If you think you don't have time, make hard decisions and make room in your life to do hard things with and for your neighbors. Scripture tells us not to neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. Make it a priority. Do hard things. N.T. Wright says this. He's a theologian that passed away recently, but I love this quote that I found. What you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly and a little more bearable. I like that. It's not just about doing something in the moment to just make life a little easier, a little less beastly, a little more bearable, until the day when we leave it behind altogether. You are a part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. And when we're building God's kingdom, when we're a part of neighboring, when we're doing those things where we love our neighbors, we also get to experience God's kingdom. When we share that love with others, we also are open to God's love and grace and mercy flowing in and through us as well. So how do we stir things up? Stirring is an intentional act. Do you need to make space in your life? It's easy to make space for people who are like ourselves and have similar schedules and similar routines and maybe we're more naturally drawn to people who are more like us. But be intentional about who you spend time with. Do something different. Do hard things. Find a person of peace. One of the things that this book that we base this series on talks about is finding someone else who shares that same passion with you. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he gave them instructions to go into the towns and villages and find a person of peace. That was the person who also had that inclination and knew everyone and wanted to make that ministry possible. He didn't tell them to go find that person and then move on to someone else. Create community with that person of peace. That's who Jesus told us to get connected with and then use that as a means for spreading and sharing God's love. We have thank you notes that we've left out at the doors it's a wonderful opportunity to just follow up with those of your neighbors who shared food with us and to create another opportunity to create room in your life for those relationships. 
Don't just stir once, but continue to stir because our hearts and the hearts around us can become stagnant. But most importantly, be sincere. People are not projects and Jesus loved people. He didn't have an agenda or a quota. He just wanted them to know his father. And ultimately, that's what we are called to share. We have learned who God is and know him and have a relationship with him and know that he wants to have a relationship with us. And eventually, that is the message that we are called to share with those around us. Mr. Rogers, who should probably be a part of this series, obviously, for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I've always loved Mr. Rogers. My kids love Mr. Rogers as well. This is a beautiful quote by him. He was also an ordained Presbyterian minister as well. And so when you think about living out your ministry with your neighbors, I think he's a beautiful example of, how, of someone who does that. This is what he said. We get so wrapped up in numbers in our society the most important thing is that we are able to be one-on-one, you and I with each other in the moment. If we can be present to the moment with the person that we happen to be with, that's what's important. His ministry was all about being present, about leaving space to hear what the other person had to share and the ways that he could learn and reflect and grow. But he stirred things up, didn't he? He made us look at things differently. He made us look at those relationships differently. Be present as Jesus was present with those he encountered. And as Jesus is present with you through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are able to be present with your neighbors. So be like Jesus. Start stirring so that people can see God, so that God is revealed and be present so they can experience his love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.